one, two, test. Here we go. It's going to be fun. Today's going to be fun. Fun day. Reprogrammed with Chuck and Dean. Dean and Chuck. Chuck comes first always. Dean doesn't have an enemy. So Chuck goes first. He's got an enemy. <laughs> ah, welcome back. Nice to see you. It's been a bit. Um, as the kids say, it's been a minute or a hot minute. Uh, good to be here. A lot's going on today. It's kind of a siloed conversation because, uh, well, I come from radio, traditional media, uh, another one of our premier podcasts, the Charles Adler podcast and the man himself, Charles Adler comes from media. He joins me today as well. And it's kind of one of them, one of them dark days, one of them interesting yeah, days in traditional media, sir. Good to see you. We're reprogrammed from that industry, which is why we do this podcast together. We talk about the new things that we've learned. How are you today? First, let's get there. Let's find out. Look, how you radio, are. radio made all my dreams uh, come true. So yeah. uh, I know that that's not the case for many people. I am uh, sad for many people whose uh, dreams have been uh, shattered, and uh, thousands of them shattered again today mm-hmm. with the uh, news from from Bell. We're recording this on uh, on Wednesday, uh, February eighth. Uh, so regardless of when you're listening to this, uh, Bell is uh, a huge company. Uh, they are dedicated. To one thing and one thing only, as all companies are, and I am a capitalist, so I want to put that in the right in the shop window. Uh, yeah. I believe that capital uh, should have the freedom to do what it wants to do. Uh, there used to be a model, a business model in uh, shareholder value capitalism that could deliver solid radio, solid TV, most important in my life, uh, solid uh, news and, and commentary. That's no longer the case. Bell said that very clearly today that uh, it is not an industry for them. And I'll, uh, I'll find the exact quote here so that no one can say I'm putting words in, in anybody's uh, mouth. Uh, Bell said today, it is not a viable business anymore. Now they're talking about radio, they're talking about TV, but they are talking about electronic journalism on TV and radio. Not a viable business anymore. Uh, beyond being a capitalist, I'm a... Democrat. I'm for Canadian democracy. And I think Canadian democracy requires news as a public service. Corporations used to be dedicated to doing news as a public service. It wasn't necessarily only about making money. Those days are over. They have a right to do that. But for those people who feel that the CBC or the BBC or NPR or PBS or whatever, but for those people who feel that a a public model is guaranteed to be biased for the left, blah, 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 blah. I have very little time for that crap because the other side in Canada is really simple. The other side, meaning the conservative side, wants to be able to get its news out only on their social media that they can control, or they want small town talk hosts, whether they're small town or big city, but generally small town or smallish town talk hosts, to basically do their bidding, to do whatever they want to do, because the small-town talk hosts, and in many cases, larger market talk hosts, feel that they need access to these conservatives and will never, ever challenge them in a serious way. Not being challenged, not being forced to get off your game, get off your spin, and tell the truth, that's not democracy to me. That is Putin's Russia to me. Not interested, not even close to being interested. Bottom line, if news in this country is no longer seen as a public service, if the average Canadian goes, okay, it doesn't, doesn't matter to me, they can cancel the news on the weekends, they can cancel news at noon, they can cancel news locally in most of the country, uh, that, that's fine with me. Um, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to my way of life. If that's what the average Canadian believes, I will salute the average Canadian and say it's a democracy. If that's what you want, fine. But on this broadcast, I'm asked to tell you what I see, what I feel, what I think, and what I want. And what I want is for news in this country to be elevated, not denigrated. And today, it got denigrated. Today, an axe was put in the back of news. And I know that a lot of conservatives are happy to see this. That's fine. I used to think of myself as a conservative. I guess that label doesn't mean what it once did. So I'm just a Canadian who favors Canadian democracy. And this is a sad, sad day for democracy.
Yeah. Uh, Charles, you nailed it out of the gate, uh, and I appreciate you doing that. And, and of course, Charles Adler is 40 years in traditional media. Uh, he's an Emmy Award winner. He is uh, one of the most important voices in the history of radio in this country. And you come from a time that I come from where it was one of three mediums. You know, there was no Internet. There was no podcasting. There was none of that shit. It was just, hey, you, you listen to the radio in the morning, and then you listen to it on the way home, and that's how you got your information, so you got your news. And if you didn't have a radio, you watched it on television. If you didn't have a television, or if you were on your way, or maybe you were in public transit, you read a newspaper, right? That's how you got your news. All of that has changed. And to your point, to your point, not only has consumption changed, uh, but all of that changed today because it, it's almost as if Bell Media finally realized the Internet exists. <laughs> Bell Real finally realized that the things they've been telling people to get them to stop spending money in the digital arena and continue to spend money on air, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, sort of collapsed in and around them today with that admission. So I want to get to the actual note, and I want to get to some of the details. Chuck Bell Media to fire 9% of his workforce. An announcement came out this morning. They blame the government for not giving them more of your tax dollars. It's exactly what they did. Uh, they announced they're cutting 4,800 human beings, selling 45 radio stations, shutting down several others, targeting roughly 5% of its workforce while taking hundreds of millions of government subsidies, which is what they did. Uh, Matt Kundal, who we work with, uh, also added while increasing the dividend for shareholders. So they're gassing or getting rid of, pardon me, 4,800 people. Mirko Bibich, the CEO, sent out an internal email, which we posted at Cryer Media. You can go and have a read if you like. Go to Cryer.co. It's on the front page. Uh, I'll save you the short, short strokes. But to your point, um, they basically talked about the evolution of Bell, what needs to happen to succeed, and then they point the finger as to why this decision is being made. We continue to face a difficult economy, government regulatory decisions that undermine investment in our networks, fail to support our media business at a time of crisis. Now, keep in mind, they keep their media and their telecom separate. One doesn't prop up the other. They, they've done that for a long time. So that in itself is untrue. Of a particular concern is a recent decision by the CRTC, of which they stack with members, forcing Bell to, prove, to provide third-party resellers access to high-speed fiber networks. Uh, he says, as I've shared before at Bell Canada every year, we can expect to lose 250 in legacy phone revenues. <laughs> 250 million, because no one has a home phone anymore. At Bell Media, advertising revenue declined by $140 million. Ooh. Across Bell's media's operations, we continue to incur $40 million in annual operating losses despite having the most watched network of local TV stations. Now, he goes through it, and then he says, you know, in the coming weeks, we're going to unload 4,800 people, 9% of our workforce. And then he's, like, trying to tell everybody that we're on great footing because we did a couple of deals with Best Buy, Staples, Amazon, and Air Canada. And then he's like, yeah, but we're super committed. Super committed to making this transition a lot easier for people. There was not one ounce of accountability in that note from Mr. Bibich, the CEO of that company. Not one. Not one. He said, here's the problem. We need to evolve. The government is screwing us and our oligopoly in the telco industry and the way we've been doing radio. It just hasn't been working out. So we're going to get rid of our radio stations. We're going to shut some down, maybe. And 4,800 people across the entire category are going to be out of work because eh, we're just uncomfortable with how radio and television works. That's what I read. When I listen to you, you read it like that they're putting up the white flag when it comes to all of their media assets, are they not? Or is it just news? No, here, here, here's, the, here's the simple truth, okay? Um, everyone... Listening to us, virtually everyone has a smartphone. And virtually everyone who has a smartphone also has at least a friend or relative in that other country that's not far away because 90% of us live less than 90 minutes from the U.S. border. So the U.S. is technically a foreign country, but it's not. We're part of the North American, if you will. We're part of the American culture. This isn't to disrespect Canada. This is just simply to talk capitalism, okay? Whether we're talking about NORAD, which is our defense treaty with the United States, whether we're talking about NATO, which is our defense treaty with the United States and many other countries, mostly in Europe, and whether or not we're talking about 
culture, which includes the Super Bowl that's coming up this Sunday. We are part of North American or American culture. So any of us who talks to any of our American friends or relatives or colleagues or ex-colleagues in the United States, we can find out without going through any media, Bell or anyone else, that our American neighbors are paying substantially less for that smartphone. And I mean substantially. In many cases, a third of the bills we pay. And it goes for cable, it goes for internet, it goes for everything, okay? The reason that we are getting screwed and tattooed in Canada is precisely because the government protects Bell and the other telecommunications companies, okay? They protect them. They protect them from American competition. So when someone from Bell, a company that is making billions and billions in profits, still does, not on its media assets that we know of, you know, the, the CTVs yeah. and the radio TV stations. $23.2 last year. $23.2 And most yeah. of that is coming from smartphones, the internet, the digital space, okay? So the point is, Bell is making a lot of money. And the reason they're making the kind of profits they're making is precisely because government is not just holding their hand. Government is breastfeeding them. They are sucking off the government. What is the government? The government is us. The government is not some foreign entity. So the Canadian system defends and protects many institutions from competition, including Bell. So while I say that, yes, I'm a capitalist and I'm for the free market, the truth is the market in telecommunications is not free. Only Canadians can be involved. Only Canadian-based companies can be involved. If we had as much competition as our American friends and neighbors do, and frankly, as much competition as many of our European neighbors do, it would cost us much less money to have cable, to have internet, to have our phones. In other words, when we talk about affordability in this country, if the conservatives actually were serious about affordability, the conservatives would say, you know what? If we are elected, we will absolutely open up the telecommunications market so that every Canadian can have much cheaper rates for their phones, for their internet, for their cable, for whatever. Yeah. But they won't do that because they are also friends of the current system. That's why I sometimes say that many things in the system won't change, can change, because both major parties are involved in the same thing. Both the Liberals and the Conservatives want to protect Bell and their other telecommunication neighbors and friends and colleagues. So I don't mean to turn this political, but it's impossible for me to listen to the boss of Bell blame the government when the government is feeding him. The Canadian government, whether it's run by conservatives or liberals, is making that guy a multi-millionaire. He should be kissing their asses. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. He should. Well said, Chuck. He's a little fired up today. I like that. There was this really cool picture, too, a few years ago. You remember Mirko Bibich, the CEO of Bell? meeting with Ian Scott, who is the head of the CRTC. There's this picture floating around. They're not supposed to do that. They're sitting there having coffee. He's like, what do you think? Maybe just loosen the regulations so we can make some more money. Maybe drop this regulation. Maybe drop that regulation. Maybe let us have multiple ownership. And up until about six months ago, do you remember that was the conversation with Bell? It was like, we need, we need, we want to buy more stations. We want to horse collar everybody into the information that we give out. So I find this announcement to be duplicitous. Number one, they blame the government. Number two, the one they blame themselves. And number three, you've got radio companies out there that, that aren't doing this, right? Stingray's not doing this. Rogers isn't doing this. Now, have they done this in the past with the advent of AI and trying to consolidate day parts, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, for sure they have. But a lot of those companies don't have the bottom line of a bell, right? A lot of those companies don't have $23 billion in cell phone money in their sock drawer. A lot of them don't. And they're still committed to delivering news information to some extent. So is this not, like when you look at it on its face, when you compare it in the landscape of media ecosystems in Canada, is, was that just not a, a temper tantrum that, that resulted in 4,800 people being fired? Was, no, because, because that's how no, I because, read it. Because people, because 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 people have been fired by all companies, 
and, and some may be a little more dramatic uh, than others. Bell may be the most dramatic. But, you know, I defy you to go through the so-called radio newsrooms of any of these companies, small, yeah. large, big city, small town. You can go through, you can go to big city newsrooms, radio newsrooms, anywhere in this country uh, that are not owned by Bell. And you may, you may see nobody in the newsroom in the evening. Nobody in the newsroom, certainly overnight. Very few people in the newsroom ever on, on holidays and at other times. And if you do see one person in the newsroom, is that really a journalist or is that just a, a rip and reader? I remember years mm -hmm. ago uh, in London, there was one guy, he was a good guy, one guy in the newsroom for three different radio stations. And all he was doing was repeating the same uh, newscast that he had written uh, over and over again uh, for these three radio stations. And, and where was he getting his news? Was he, did he have any reporters? Did he have any original reporting? No, he just, he just ripped it off the, the wire. I'm not dumping on him. This guy was working his, his ass off. Mm -hmm. But that, but but that's not journalism, and that's not uh, those uh, stations which were not Bell stations. Those that that, that is not about that, that station. Those stations being committed to a news service, they're just fulfilling their CRTC commitments to deliver a certain amount of news. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you can you can argue that that Bell is a little more uh, dramatic uh, than the others, but the idea that that TV and radio are offering uh, in the private sector are offering the same uh, amount of news or the same caliber of news that they were offering years ago. Sorry, uh, that's just not the case. And, and any news consumer, and I am, and I'm a voracious news consumer, we know that. We, we haven't counted on, 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 on TV and radio news for a very long time. Why should we? Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, there's no reason anymore. And, you know, with this trust in media, too, it's kind of the perfect storm. Like, you've seen... Over the past three years, this uprising in traditional media and non-traditional media going head to head. And you've seen equilibrium. You've seen people turn off their their TVs and radios and start tuning into podcasts to get their views affirmed. And you've seen people say, I'm not going to make an appointment to watch a show at six o'clock. I'll watch it whenever the hell I want with on-demand viewing and watching. I mean, there are a number of factors that go into the idea that that is not a viable business anymore. But let me ask you this. Is it? Is radio a viable industry anymore, in your mind? It, it is. It is. Uh, it is not viable uh, to turn over the kind of profits that uh, most companies want to have. It can't. It can't deliver that kind of profit. So, what will happen to radio in the future? I don't know, but I do know that uh, that it it can't deliver the kind of profit that companies can have uh, that have very few human. Resources. I mean, it is the dream of many people in our business, has been for a long time. I'm talking about the ownership level. Yeah. To have radio and TV stations where you didn't really have any humans on in the space, where you had some humans in one market or two market, you know, putting putting the same stuff out everywhere. And every yeah. everybody who watches news knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because that's what's happened in much of the private sector. You have a, a, a you know, finite number of people working in a uh, Toronto, for instance, that's the best example. And they're pumping out news to the rest of the country. But the idea that local communities are, are being served by local TV, that stopped happening a long time ago. Uh, today's announcement just makes that even clearer. And we can talk about the little companies that are buying the radio companies. If anyone thinks the little companies buying uh, these radio companies that uh, Bell is selling, that they're going to suddenly hire more people or they're going to deliver a news service. No, they're they're they're... They may not have the same expectations of profit that Bell does, but they are not going to be revamping and building up. Yeah, they're not uh, pouring the, their money into no, no. propping up an industry that's largely propped up by dead tech, right? No, no. In, in, the, in the private sector, news and radio and television are not the profit centers that they once were. Yeah. That's not coming back. Facebook is growing. Google is growing. Everything on the internet, virtually everything that uh, people are paying attention to right now is growing. Uh, podcasts are growing. That's where the growth is. The only people um, right now, I mean, outside of the people who are uh, taking a bullet, the only people who are really, really sad right now are people who are older who grew up with all this stuff. And so mm -hmm. to them, it's in the rearview mirror. I mean, I talk to people all the time. They haven't, haven't listened to any local radio in 25 years. Why? Because they've had satellite radio, but they still have a soft spot for local radio because of what they once did. But if you're talking to someone who's 35 or under, 
many of them, the word radio doesn't even mean anything. You know, and, I mean, and you know what's, true, true. You know what's hilarious is I was talking to my son the other day um, yeah. because you know that these radio opportunities pop up every once in a while. We'll consider them as a family. We'll talk about them a little bit. And I've largely, you know, kind of been in the camp where it's like it's like saying yes to owning a VHS or a beta store in like I don't know 2007. It's like hey, I don't know. <laughs> Should I buy a blockbuster franchise too? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he said to me, he's like, dude, he goes, what do you mean? Like radio? And I go, well, you know, like, you know, radio. And he's like, do people listen to it still? Like the, he was like asking me a legitimate question. He wasn't yeah. even trying to be a dick. He wasn't being sarcastic. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. being caustic. He was like, so do people still listen to the radio? And I'm like, yeah, cause he, this is the streaming generation, right? We're, we're involved in this generation of kids and people that aren't turned on by being told when they have to listen to something. Number one, they're not turned on by being horse collared into a certain demographic of music. Number two, my son listens to rap country, all that stuff. He's all over the place. He's one of those guys. And the other thing is, and he said to me, like, do <laughs> I laughed. He's like, does our car even have a radio? Like, well, I mean, <laughs> Dean, you're, you're, you're talking to a person. I mean, I'll say on the one hand, yeah. radio made all my dreams come true. That's true. Ask me whether I have a an appliance known as a radio. Ask me if I have a single radio in my house. Do you have a, a radio radio? in your house? Nothing. No. And do you have no, a, Do you listen to the radio in the car? Do you like get excited no. to go in and flip it? No. On I mean, I, li- I listen. I, I listen to satellite because on satellite I can hear seasoned professionals, regardless mm-hmm. of which channel I'm listening to, and that's that's what I favor. I favor listening to seasoned professionals, which yeah. is what I was, which is what my colleagues were. So this isn't about me dumping on young people who have much yeah. less experience. But there was a time, here comes old Uncle Chuck. There was a time when you had to work in a small market like Rosetown, Saskatchewan, and some of the small markets you worked in. before Paul, you were Alberta, able, Fort McMurray, dude, we've worked all over the place. Yeah, before, you were able to work, before you were able to work in the yeah. big leagues. Yeah. And in the big leagues, you were a big leaguer. And I was a big leaguer, and, and we've worked with fellow big leaguers. But these days, that's not the case. Most radio stations, you might not have any big leaguers, or you may have one, and then they're surrounded by people who years ago would have been in a, in, in a small market. So why does one listen? Yeah, why does one listen to uh, yeah. satellite radio? Because it's big league, regardless of which channel you're 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 turning on, and that's that that's yeah. the case. Well, when you're when you're running the little leagues in the large markets, you certainly aren't going to expect the consumers in those markets whether they're your sons or anyone else's sons and daughters, you're, yeah. you're not going to expect them to be buzzed by that. They're going to watch or listen to big leaguers and other platforms. So do I love music as much as I ever did? More than I ever did. Where do I turn to my music? Like most people, I happen to go to Spotify. Some people go to Apple. People have their different music services. But the idea that I'm going to turn on a, a, a terrestrial Radio station and hope a song you like comes on. Remember that? I mean, come on, come on. I mean, you know, there's this thing called you know YouTube. I mean, everyone knows that these are not secrets. But when we talk about what's available to us as consumers, it's impossible to convince us as consumers that traditional radio and television is the business model it once was. Even if we know nothing about business, whether we're 100% capitalist or 50% 50% capitalist and 50% not so much. It doesn't matter. We know that it must have been a much better business model when we weren't listening to YouTube or Spotify or yeah. all of, uh, of the others. The consumer well, you, you didn't is have king. those options. Yeah, the consumer is king, the consumer yeah. is queen, and this stuff really feels ancient. I feel badly for the people who are caught up in it today yeah, but I, I I cannot sit here and go. Well, Bell's a real bad guy. All the others are really good guys. Anybody that wants to make serious profits in media isn't doing it with radio and TV, local, local or national. And that's why, mm-hmm. once again, without uh, you know sounding like I'm, I'm a member of the uh, you know the CBC fan club for the, for the most of my existence, the CBC has been just boring as batshit. I've not been a you know major. I mean, outside of a few shows, obviously, and frankly, many of them were on CBC Radio decades ago. Uh, like as it happens, which I still have a lot of respect for. 
Yeah. Um, and, and people like, you know, Kathleen uh, Petty doing this incredible uh, podcast called West of Center. And there are some others. There are some excellent people in, in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, you name it. There are excellent professionals at the CBC who I have a lot of respect for. But the thing is, if the CBC wasn't capitalized, if the CBC didn't have the capital to work with, and yes, the capital comes from the taxpayers, you wouldn't have the CBC. But think about this for a second. You've got taxpayers who subsidize the CBC. We hear this all the time from the, the conservatives who want to you know, burn the claim they want to burn the CBC down. The point is we have taxpayers subsidizing the others as well yeah. because taxpayers are getting screwed and tattooed on what they're paying for cable and the internet and their smartphones. They're paying extra to protect the bells and the others. So when, when the conservatives tell you that taxpayers are subsidizing the CBC, but they're not subsidizing those precious free market radio and TV stations. It's bullshit. That is all of them absolute, and I'll say it, it's not a word I like to use publicly a lot, but I have to. The conservatives on that front, like some others, are absolutely full of crap. Yeah. I thought you were going to say shit, and you, you went with crap, huh? I went with crap because you said shit twice. Anyway, three times now. Now you said shit too, so you're in. in Just just so everyone everyone is clear, I realize in podcasts we have a license. One of the reasons I don't use that language isn't because I'm some sort of super uh, moral uh, supernova. That's that's not the point at all. I just think that when that language is overused, it becomes a distraction from the central point. Sure does. So the central point isn't here. Hey, look at me! I've got a license to say shit. I mean, that doesn't mean anything to me. That's to me that that that, that's child's play. What's what's Mm -hmm. really important here to me is when we're discussing and we're allowing politicians to be discussing what works and what doesn't work for democracy. I get really yes. I, I put the conservatives on a higher plane because I was a conservative for for most most of my ninety percent of my adult life. Okay, so yeah, I do hold them to a higher standard. So when they're telling this ridiculous lie that taxpayers are subsidizing the CBC, but they're not subsidizing the private sector, I'm sorry, yeah. I can't I can't handle it because they know it's not true, and somebody in this country has to say no, it's not true, and maybe someday. Pierre Paulia will will sit down with uh, someone who is allowed to challenge him uh, to more than just a slogan salad. And maybe they can just ask him a really simple question. Mr. Polyev, do you believe that the taxpayers are not subsidizing the telecoms in this country uh, that own the private sector news services? And, And if you believe that, make your case, sir. I'm listening. You know what he'd say? He'd go, you know what? Why don't you tell me? And then he'd find a way to tell that person that Trudeau stole his Palmelo from his. And, and, I, and I, would simply, I, would, I would simply say, why don't you grow up? You know, stop, stop taking your arrested adult pills. You know, so what are the pills everyone keeps talking about now? Pu- 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 puberty, puberty blockers. blockers. Yeah, yeah, he wants yeah. people to take puberty blockers once they're out of puberty. Once yeah. you're over 18, you can take puberty. Oh, that's that's really, that's really intelligent, okay? Once we're no longer in puberty, once we're post-puberty, then we can start taking puberty blockers. Sure. Uh, anyway. Uh, he doesn't know what know. puberty is because he hasn't gone through it yet. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't want to go Emotionally there. or mentally. I don't, it's, 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 um, it's, it's an appetite destroyer for me to think yeah. about him in those terms. But <laughs> the, the, the point is, I would have to say to him if he gave me nothing but slogans and Trudeau this and Trudeau, yeah. Trudeau, Trudeau. I'll add Trudeau's. I would have to say, look, stop taking your arrested development blockers for just a moment. Yeah. Be a grown up and let's have a grown up discussion. Mr. Polyev, can you make the case that the taxpayers of this country are not subsidizing the telecoms? And if you can make it, I'm listening. And if yeah, you just come back with carbon axe attack, axe attack, Trudeau, Trudeau, then I'd say, okay, fine. Uh, you know, we're, we're, I guess this is government subsidized childcare. See you later. Yeah. It is with him. That's what his paycheck is. Government subsidized childcare. Um, I want to I want to zoom back out a little bit because you talked about uh, the quality of individuals that are currently manning the helm. Um, part of Bell and, and, and tra- traditional media's concept to get to profitability or show shareholders that they're profitable, which has led to this problem, is getting rid of key talent getting rid of good people, getting rid of people that make a decent buck because they are good at what they do. You you were a casualty of that. I was a casualty of that. Hundreds of other excellent performers, radio guys, TV people, Lisa LaFlamme comes to mind, were casualties of their paycheck, 
and how good they were or how consistent they are. And one of the things I cited in that article that I wrote at Cryer, go to Cryer.co if you want to have a look at the Bell firing list today. It's wild. Part of it is this notion that radio companies are victims of an environment, right? When there was a concerted effort to get rid of anybody that might be a bigger brand than them, that made a lot of money, that came with some... You know, in my case, a couple of letters to the CRTC, CBSC that came with some, you know, some some work. Guys like us came with work. We were guys that like to push the envelope. They paid us to push the envelope. In, in your case, in my case, they paid us a great, great dollar to go and push that envelope, to go and get audience, to go and achieve audience. You were a nationally syndicated radio talk show host. You were the gold standard in this country, have been and will continue to be. That doesn't exist to that extent anymore. You were it. You know, I would listen to you going down the hallway. We've talked about it in our building. He's like Adler's on. It's like, oh, Adler's like the, the, the jewel in the chorus crown back then. And I was that breadheaded stepchild. They would go, okay, just keep keep doing what you're doing because you got a 40 share and we'll give you a bunch of money, but just pretend that you're sorry all the time. I'm like, all right, okay, whatever. <laughs> but those, 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 days, <laughs> those days are over, right? The paychecks are over. Yeah. Isn't a lot of the inability to sell good content or have good content kind of fit in the idea that Bell, Rogers, Chorus, other radio companies are reaping what they sell because sure. they're getting what they're paying for? Sure. I mean, I gave, I gave people a reason to listen. I didn't go around, you know, sucking up to every authority, sucking up to every listener, sucking, 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 because when you hear nothing but the sucking sound, you're not missing anything by tuning out. So I gave mm. people a reason to tune in. You gave people a reason to tune in. Did you push the envelope? Sure you did. Did I push the envelope? Sure I did. But that's what the public wanted to listen to. The public doesn't want to listen to someone who's just, you know, kissing the ring of, of whoever the authority figures are because he wants to get the authority figures on the air. I didn't care. The prime minister didn't want to get, get on the air with me. That's fine. The premier didn't want to get on the air with me. That's fine. What, what I always found hilarious is all the prime ministers, liberals and conservatives, always wanted to have private meetings with me. They always wanted to know what was on my mind. So it didn't matter that publicly they wouldn't want to be sharing the same space with me. They did want to share this space. And of course, the space between my ears is something I would share with the audience. Whether they loved me or hated me, liked me or disliked me, they knew what I was giving them was genuine. It was from my heart, which was connected to my brain. My arguments were connected to evidence. My arguments were evidence-based. That's why this whole idea, oh, Trump was really, really out there on the right. No, I was never out there on the right. I think it's stupid to be out there. I think people who are extreme right or left are either stupid or they're appealing to the stupid. Many people on radio and television in past years did try to do that. And by the way, nobody remembers them. It's not memorable. When someone does not stimulate you to think, when someone is just giving you the predictable right-wing or left-wing rag all the time, every single day, sucking up to people who are on the far right or the far left, it's not even close to interesting. So did I do that? No, I did not. I plead guilty for not kissing anyone's ring. And I don't want to get into specifics as to, you know, what got me into a bit of a trouble with the Conservative Party in recent years. I've been, I've, been, I've been down that road. I don't want to go down that dirt road again. The point is, if you give someone a reason to listen, they will. But the business model over the years became, let's just get rid of anybody that's worth very much Let's get rid of anybody that's actually creating listeners, generating ratings, generating revenue. Let's see if we can fool the public into thinking all voices are the same. They're just mm -hmm. voices with feet. They're not attached to any kind of brains. The format is larger than the personality. And you the don't want someone with a brain. The Here's yeah. the thing. They don't want someone with a brain going off script either. That's the thing. They don't want well, to have course. to write a letter. They don't want yeah. to have to, oh, my God. Right. So they just yeah. want people to come in and read liners. And if anybody knows what radio is, liners are these little commercials you put in between songs where you got to read them live. And you're reading company copy. They don't want you to be entertaining. They don't want you to talk about politics. They don't no. want you to talk about culture. Like during the pandemic, do you know how many people were in radio that are no longer in radio would call me and go, dude, I can't believe you get to do the content that you do because we're not allowed to talk about it. I'm like, wait a second. Global pandemic, healthcare crisis, world's on fire, and you guys have to do a study about the world's greatest sandwich meat? Are you what? fucking serious? And he's like, yes. And it what? happens to this day. 
Um, I remember a manager saying to me, uh, as of today, you will not have opinions. I said, are you serious? Yeah. As, as of today, you will have other people on who have opinions. And your job will be to facilitate their opinions. I said, what if they're effing boring? I don't care. I don't care. People, there. we have a survey that says yeah. some people that we're trying to get who won't listen to you because they will only listen to other stations, some of yeah. them feel that you're too opinionated. So we think we can get them if you withdraw your opinions. I said, what about the people who are listening right now and loving what they're hearing because I'm opinionated and my opinions are married to my thinking? Those people will stay with you anyways, this person said. I said, what do you mean they'll stay with you anyway? Oh yeah, they'll, they'll stay. They'll stay with you anyway because they they love you. They love you, and they're not thinking. We want to get those people. I said. I said. I, I'm sorry. All you're trying to do right now is make me quit. Pay me out the effing contract, and stop insulting my intelligence. Just pay me out the contract, and then we can be done. Because otherwise, you're just making a fool of yourself. Mm-hmm. If I asked you to put any of this garbage down on paper, would you? Any of the garbage you've just said, I can regurgitate it word for word. Do you want to put it down? Do you want to commit it to paper? Oh, no, 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 we, we don't need to do any of that. I said, fine, then just pay me out the contract. But that's just one very, very simple conversation of many that's had in this country where talent was either motivated to quit, motivated to hate what they were doing, and the reason that was given to them, things like don't have an opinion, was simply because they felt that they could sweeten their particular balance sheets by slashing the numbers they were paying to the talent, replacing them for half as much, a third as much, a quarter as much. The point is, it maybe for a short period of time advanced certain salaries of certain management people. It may have enhanced shareholder value in some of these corporations. I hope I'm not getting into the weeds too much here. But the point is, in destroying talent, they did not help the business. They ended up hurting their business model and so today, part of the problem, part of the reason there are fewer eyeballs and fewer ears because there's not enough to see, there's not enough to watch, there's not enough to listen to. And so the consumer has said, bye-bye. Yeah. And and to your point, what there is to watch, listen to, and read has been severely circumcised by hiring people who are not as qualified, as impactful or as good at it as other people, right? And that's really the issue. Like, you know, there in my world, there are days where I ride in the car. I'm in the car, and the radio will be on, and I'm like, let's just check it out, right? Thankfully, I got a new car. New car does not have a radio in it because I can't know how to figure it out, so I won't have this exercise again. And I would get, like, not angry, not, not entitled, not egotistical. I would get frustrated. Listening to people throw away the opportunity to have someone get compelled by what they're saying, right? Throw away the opportunity to entertain somebody. Throw away the opportunity to compel somebody. And I had a conversation recently with someone in the industry, and he said these words to me, which is why we're having this conversation about they did it to themselves. Because he said, hey, man, we did it to ourselves. We went out and got rid of all the high-priced talent. We got rid of people who did a great job people with tenure, so we could hire people would work at a rate that was about a quarter, quarter to a half. And then what we did is we got rid of some of those people and we just put what they did in different markets. And then when we wanted to save more money, what we did is we got rid of those people. We got a guy over here to contract that service to all of those other markets. And I said to him, yeah, of course you did, right? It's called voice tracking and radio. It's called contracting. And then there are services that you can get, you know, radio shows from. And now you've got AI that'll do a whole show for you. You can be anything you want. You can make it say anything you want. Well, what what better solution to a company that doesn't value individualism, that doesn't value the effort of content providers than telling a computer program what you want it to say and do, right? Because that's really what talent does now. In traditional media, they repeat the talking points of whoever's giving them a paycheck. And if you step outside of that, then you have a problem. That's something that they don't want to manage. So you're going to pay people to do a terrible job for nothing. You're going to get whatever that result is. And that result is today. Bell Media said, we can't do radio anymore because we fucked it up. But that's how I read it. 
I, I, your your dad worked at Chum, and uh, maybe you've got the right language. Uh, but the Chum, I, I mean, I worked at several Chum stations, but including Chum in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong about this. There was a, a a line that was on the wall. There was a sign, and it was something like, "Through these wall, through these halls, pass the most talented people." In the industry, something like that. Do you, do you recall that ever seeing yeah, that sign? Through these doors right? walk the most talented people right. in radio. Right, and I and I, I can I can tell you, you know, uh, when I walked through those doors, I felt really, really good about myself that I was I was in the big leagues. Now, fortunately, I got to the big leagues very very quickly. I didn't have to do a you know a whole lot of work in in small towns. The smallest town I ever worked in before I worked in a big city was a town called Calgary. So it's hardly a a small town. I went from from Calgary to Vancouver uh, to Montreal. Are you rubbing it in? You rubbing it into people that worked in Rosetown no, I'm just, and Fort McMurray? No, no, no. I'm just. I'm. I'm not trying to rub in anything. I'm just trying to say that it felt really good to be in the big leagues. Some of us yeah, took yeah, a yeah. few years to get to the big leagues. Some of us took less time, but that's not the issue. It felt great to be in the big leagues where you were surrounded by talent. The word talent actually meant something. Mm-hmm. The word talent today is used for anybody. Who's got Warm a mouth? Seat. Warm seat well, in the mouth. You know, I, I can I can go on any bus and any anywhere in this country and find people on the bus who yeah. have a mouth. Okay, you're hired. You're hired. You're hired. Can you and read? We you, you, you work on radio for minimum wage. Yeah, of course I will. Okay, that sounds that sounds that sounds good. Okay, uh, uh, can you put two sentences together without saying um, uh, no? No, well, okay, no problem. Uh, just read these cards. Yeah, read these cards for three hours. That's all you have to do. Just read the cards. Read the cards. Read the cards. Never did anything, you know, oh, I love it. That's a great gig. Now, that's been done. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, folks. But you cannot call that talent, and you cannot call that public communications. You can call that something that may make some money short-term for some people, but long-term, that's not a business model because the average consumer is a lot smarter than that, and the average consumer wants much more than that. And that's why Dean Blundell's son is saying, What's radio? Well, what, what radio is, is what radio turned itself into. A place where you didn't have to have talent to be on the air. Do you remember, you bring something up and I love talking about it. Do you remember when you got into radio, right? And there was this pecking order. You brought it up. Like small towns were like the farm system for big mm-hmm. cities, right? Major markets is what we used to call them. And smaller markets would be Rosetown, Fort St. John. Kelowna was like a little medium market, right? Go to Kelowna. It's like a nice little step up from like a small town. But there was a farm system and there was a pecking order. And there were dues that you had to pay. If you were really good, like Chuck, didn't really have to pay many of those dues, but you paid them in day parts. You paid them by doing evenings, weekends, going out and hustling. Yeah, but just, 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 so, just so we're clear, I mean, I was, uh, uh, you know, I was selling stuff when I was eight years old. Okay. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of communication. I was doing a lot of the communication that you need to do convincing people to buy stuff from me, finding ways to tell people stories. So, uh, you know, my, my paying of dues was, was paying as a child, as a teenager, sure. trying to put food on the family table. So it, it's really unfair to say that I started being a, a communicator when I turned the microphone on. Well, I was a communicator when I was a child. Yes, but in, in terms of professional, like the, your sure. career yeah. and this incredible yeah. career, this legendary career you've had, not many people start in Calgary. That's my point. Okay. You know, you were prepped by your life. You had this incredible existence where you had to make it happen and you had to tell stories. You had to figure out a way to convince people of something because it was a need in your family. So you, like you, I grew up in the industry. My dad owned radio stations. So I yeah. had that weird education along the way too. Kind of like, you know, an NHL or with an NHL kid, you're just kind of always yeah. around it. So you had a leg up, but I'd pay my dues. I went to Fort McMurray, very cold in October, November, December, January, February. Very. Um, worked in Rosetown. Worked in Brooks. Stetler. Didn't work in Drumheller. That was big leagues for me back then. But I understood the end goal was to get to Toronto. If you were a radio guy 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the goal wasn't to do radio and great content. The goal was to get to Toronto, yeah. get to Vancouver. But Toronto was it, right? Toronto was the space. It was the spot. So I'm 27, 28, and I get a job offer to go to Toronto. And I'm like, wow, I go to Toronto. This is it. I made it. I did it. Right? Then I stayed at the top of my game for 15 years. That was even more impressive when I look back on it now. That kind of story, that kind of want, 
career want, this apex in that industry does not exist anymore. It doesn't exist. No, there are people there. I mean, I'm not trying to slam anyone in particular. There are people in Toronto today who don't have any more talent than you did when you were in Rosetown, Saskatchewan. That's just well, no, but I, I know that because I've listened to it on the radio myself. Yeah. But my point yeah. is, is that is that only it was cutthroat. Only the best of the yeah. best worked yeah. in major markets. Only the best of the best were syndicated, and you were remunerated as such. Right, you were given a big paycheck. You were given no, a long-term no, contract. I've had no complaints about how the business treated me. No, all. me neither. No, it's I given mean, me incredible. I, I, I may, I may not, I may not be happy with the, you know, last the year. It's kind of like the Don McLean song. I may not be happy. You know, the day the music died. Yeah. The day the music died for me was the day that particular manager said, "As of today, you no longer have an opinion." Okay, so that happened a, a few years before I, I, I left uh, the industry. But mm -hmm. for the most part, I would say for ninety percent of my my years in radio. I was very fairly compensated and I found ways of enhancing my compensation yeah. simply by enhancing the opportunities for many of the small businesses. That's why when people call me a socialist, I laugh my ass off. Uh, I found ways of enhancing opportunities for the small businesses who are our sponsors that brought them more money and brought our radio stations more money. And uh, yeah, ratings, ratings matter a lot. I got ratings. But ratings and revenue. If you can, if you can, if you can get ratings and revenue, yeah. you're golden. You're worth every dollar they pay you. Yeah. Well, that that is that is the order of the day now. Now the order of the day isn't go. Hey, can I get to Toronto and work for Bell Rogers Chorus? Whatever. The order of the day is, hey, can I do a podcast? Can I become a brand? Can I do my own thing? And I think that has scared the shit out of everybody in media. I think it scared Bell. I think it scares Rogers. I think it scares a lot of different people because you know something that I know coming from that industry is that if you're a big brand outside who you work for back then, they got very intimidated by you. They got very intimidated when you as a person became bigger than the people that you were working for, yeah. right? Yeah. And now you've got people, that, the advent of the internet, everybody's coming out from the floorboards with their own content and they're taking money. These guys are taking money. They're taking viewership. These guys are taking audience. And people have started to realize over the past five to 10 years, wait a second, I can get a morning show at Cryer Media. I can get an afternoon show anytime I want it from Charles Adler. I can get a midday show from Dean Blundell. I can get a, an evening show or I can get my hockey scores and my betting from Rachel Dory and, and the people at Staff and Graph. You're telling me that I don't have to, you know, flip through 16 or 17 different signals. You're telling me that I don't have to wait for my favorite song. You're telling me I don't have to wonder what's going to come. I can just go ahead and download this. Oh, and I can go on Twitter and I can watch what they did today. I can go on Facebook and I watch this. Everything has changed from on demand to content. Everything has changed. To the point now where guys like you and I are sitting here going, how you doing? You guys well, looking and, for and, some any, cheap content? <laughs> anyone, anyone, anyone listening to this podcast right now, yeah. anyone who's with us right now knows this. You will never get what you're getting right now. The absolute unvarnished truth. No euphemisms, no baloney, okay? No spin. You cannot hear what we're saying right now on any conventional radio or television station. Anybody who tries to do a story on conventional radio or television on the big story today, Bell doing its cull, culling nearly 5,000 human beings. If you want to listen to that particular topic on any conventional radio or TV station today. It ain't happening. It's not happening. The topic won't be brought up. And if it is, it'll be so utterly shallow and superficial. It should embarrass any communicator that is actually engaging that topic on those particular platforms, because they know that none of what they're saying off the air is admissible on the air. We are, you know, there's the expression saying the quiet stuff out loud. We are speaking on the air, as it were. We're speaking on this podcast, this public platform, the same way, using the same language we use off the platform. So when all of these people talk about authenticity, there is nothing more authentic, nothing more genuine than what you're listening to right now. Blundell and Adler are telling you publicly exactly what they're saying privately. If conventional media could have accomplished this and stayed with this, their business model would work. But it feels too risky to the weasels 
who took over the business a number of years ago. Mm. Yeah, great point. Yeah, dude, like the the Bell Media firing, like when a when a national company, and this is one of the biggest companies in the country, right? One of the most flush companies, one of the biggest employers of Canadians, get gets rid of basically ten percent of their workforce, which is the human cost. We haven't even talked about that, right? There are a lot of people that are sweating. Nearly, nearly jobs in, in, in Canadian terms, getting rid of nearly five thousand people. That is a major, major chop. That is a major cull. Uh, if you're just looking at it from a human perspective, it is carnage. It is 5,000 lives, and many of those lives were 100% committed to, loyal to, heavily invested in that business. They mean nothing because one day you're crew and the next day you're cargo. And it's something that's easy for some people to talk about. It's easy for some people who don't know those people to talk about. But when you're one of those families, it's a very big deal. That's why we started this podcast off with, regardless of how I feel about some of the weasels that took over the industry, I have 100% feeling for the people working in it, the people who today were told they're cargo. You know, one of those people, I talked to him today, uh, the person will remain nameless because obviously they'd like to keep their job for as long as they possibly can. A bunch of people got fired today and it's going to continue all year at Belf, those 5,000, by the way. It's going to be attrition over time. Um, but they called me today and they're like, I'm, I said, how you doing? They're like, that's not awesome. And then they took me through their last two years working at Bell. And they said from the second they get up, they have pure dread, wondering when they're going to get put out. From the to the second they go to bed when they're at work, it's super quiet, right? Uh, you've got secret meetings going on all the time. You always think you're getting fired. He goes, dude, I've woke up with dread and gone to bed with dread for two solid years. So I hope they put me out because that'll be an end, right? That'll be a definitive answer about what I am going to do with the rest of my life. And I, the paycheck that he gets is significant, right? Supports his family, supports his kids. He's got a child with autism. And so he's like, I know because of how much money I make and because of what I do and the meetings that I've had for the past six months, I've known this is coming. He goes, quite honestly, I'll be relieved. I'll be relieved. And I thought that was an amazing statement, right? You've got so many people that are coming out of an industry, 5,000 of them in one day that are all thinking the same thing, which is like most of them anyway. I hate going to work. I feel no security at work. There's no joy at work. There's no excitement at work. And I'm sweating losing that job because there are real life scenarios that require that person's attention, children, food, housing, all those things. Those are the scenarios that don't get talked about along with the news that one of Canada's biggest broadcasters, the biggest broadcaster in Canada, to your point, is not talking about the biggest news story of the day and the fallout from it. Neither is anybody in that industry. Do you know why? Because it's an indictment of the industry. Well, yeah, and, and that's an why that's why I, I don't want to I don't want to repeat this too often, but just for the record, I, I have to. It is more dramatic at Bell, but that that is a systemic thing. We've got friends at all the companies, including the companies that we work for, and all of them are feeling the same pain. They wake up every day not knowing whether they have a future with that particular company. All they have to do is look at the stock price of their company. All they have to do is read the read the memos, read the announcements. Closer you are, you are to the top, the closer you are to the door. It's been a systemic thing for many years, but Bell makes it more dramatic when they when they when they make it happen because they always talk about a thousand or two thousand or five thousand. They're chopping X amount of radio stations, Y amount of radio stations. I guess today one could say that. The announcement could have been even worse if they had just shut down all those stations. Uh, they, they did a major shutdown less than a couple of years ago. But today, instead of just shutting them down, they were selling them off to other people. So it was a little less dramatic. But I guess yeah. it's just incumbent for me to say, just in the interest of truth, that this is an industry-wide phenomenon. Bell is the biggest. Bell is the most dramatic but it's happening across the board. I know we've got lots of people who are members of families at the other stations, and I think that they would feel remiss if they, we were pretending that they're not suffering the same pain. Yeah, 
Yeah, by proxy today, by osmosis, anybody in that industry, when this happens, they look at their own job and they're like, oh, my God. Uh, Chuck, thanks for doing this. Appreciate you taking me through uh, your thoughts on, you know, the really the end of an industry that treated us very, very well. Do you remember how fun it was? Or how much I fun just, radio was? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not leaving this podcast or any podcast without telling those people uh, who have been listening to us here on the pods and listening to us in the days when we were on the radio, I love you. I can't thank you enough, and I am not blaming any of you for for any of this, and I hope I want to be totally wrong. I want this industry to turn itself around. As I said earlier, it made all my dreams come true, and I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that somehow it does manage to turn itself around. I don't want to yeah. think that uh, radio's future is in the rear view. I want to be absolutely wrong about that, and uh, before we do anything else, I just want to once again extend my, my sympathy, my condolences. Uh, to those people who are casualties of yeah. a business which is no longer seeing itself as a workable business. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. There's a human cost here, and I appreciate you acknowledging that. And it's one that you and I have both paid individually, uh, paid for over a long period of time, depending on how that resentment wheel worked in my chest. So, um, but yeah, Dean, I should, should also say to you, because it wouldn't yeah. be, uh, be remiss, uh, I was absolutely uh, proud to share a platform with you, a corporate platform with you for. For years, uh, you were mm. one of the stars, and I, I was very proud uh, that that you were part of our our team. And I'm uh, just as proud to be sharing this platform with you. And I, I thank you for offering it to me. Oh man, it's it's a life, dude. It's like I get to work with my mentor, of course. Yeah, dude. Thank you, thank you for agreeing to share this platform with me. It's like asking like your best friend to get in a hot tub full of band aids. Like, hey, you want to get in? <laughs> and thank you for taking my odd scolding. I don't mean to sound overly. Uh, no, like sanctimonious. They're just certain things I believe in, and you yeah. know, if there's if there's if there's one thing that uh, my listeners always knew about me is I knew what I was thinking and why I was thinking it, and so sharing that human process or sharing a person's mind, especially when you're on some long and lonesome highway to Fort McMurray or Rosetown or Belleville or anywhere else you're traveling to, when you're listening to someone share their genuine thoughts. They tell you what they're thinking and why they're thinking it, how it's attached to their values, how it's attached to everything that matters to them about their family, their country, their colleagues, their hockey team, whatever. That is an intimate experience. That is where radio is at its best. That's where the theater of the mind is fully engaged. I loved it. I miss it. I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't miss it. I was extremely well rewarded. Yes, the stations rewarded me technically, but the only reason I got those rewards is because listeners like you were absolutely loyal. I had listeners like you listen for all three hours. You have no idea how grateful I am that millions of people in this country are willing to listen to someone for three hours. That is a super heavy commitment, and I can't thank you enough for the loyalty. Well, if you weren't the best in the country at it, they wouldn't have done it. But, dude, humility always is the best stripe. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate you taking time, Chuck. We'll talk to you soon, pal. You bet. There you go. Charles Adler, ladies and gentlemen, the Charles Adler Podcast, wherever you get your fine podcast. God, I love that, man. And I know there's a lot of people that are experiencing <clears throat> the loss today, loss of a job, loss of identity, loss of a foundation, loss of a paycheck, right? I know there's a lot of you out there, and I'm one of you. Chuck's one of you. There's 5,000 of you out there today. But that number is significantly higher when you factor in the last five to seven years. And let me just talk to you if you're one of the 4,800. Let me just talk to you for a second. How you doing? You okay? You all right? I know it's really hard right now, even if you didn't get put out from Bell today, even if you're just sitting there going, Downsizing in my industry, too. It's coming. You better start looking. Look. Look. Go look. Go look. There's something that happens when you work for somebody. And it's, it's the idea that you give them agency over your happiness. And I mean that. And I'm talking to you. And that is that industry, that media industry, and it's not just in Canada, and it's not just because of terrible operators. Bell might be a good operator. I don't know. They're not a good operator of radio stations. Not when they give up. Like when you wave the white flag, it's usually not an indicator that you crushed it. Um, it's got nothing to do with you if you're one of those 48, 
It's got nothing to do with your self-worth. It's got nothing to do with the job you do. It's got nothing to do with the foundation of you as a human being. And we wrap those foundational principles up in other people when we give them agency. And when we tell people we work for Bell or we work here or we do that or this is how much money we make, those are all external things that you cannot control. And I go back to this all the time because it's important. And I've realized this over time. And I'm, I'm talking to you because I am you. I gave my agency to other people. When I worked at The Edge, gave my agency to them. When I worked at The Fan, gave my agency to them. So for the past six years, I've been giving agency to myself. And it's hard. It's hard when you come out of an industry that rewards people for telling dick jokes and putting their feet up or writing something funny or producing commercials when AI can do all that. Now it's hot. It's, it's not fun. It's hard. It's hard to transition from an industry where you get rewarded for creativity. You got to go get a job. It is. But I want to tell everybody that's in traditional media, radio, television, print, and you know, it's coming and you, you're, you're lamenting it and the resentment starts to build, you are 100% capable of going out and achieving on your own. You don't need to give your agency to other people. And it might not be in radio, television, or print. It might not be. It might just be at a UPS store. That's where you might find yourself happier. Might find you work at a marketing agency. You might find, but you are capable. It's different work. But it has nothing to do with what you're meant to do or what you wanted to do to begin with when you got out of school and you went to radio or television school and you became this or you did that. It's nothing to do with it. Generally speaking, people have between three to seven careers in their work lifetime. Three to seven. I've had several. I have four or five different things going on right now. Be not because you can't make money or sustain yourself with one of them, but because I want to be the best version of myself today, whatever that is. Whatever it is, if it's radio, great. If it's writing, great. If it's agency work, great. If it's consulting, great. If it's helping guys with their life, helping them to stop drinking, great. I do those things. And I do those things because that's where my interest took me. That's where my agency took me. And I wasn't going to give it back to somebody else. Not now. Not today. Not in this environment. So if you're a person that called yourself a radio person and you're lamenting the idea that radio is dying and basically dead, you're just the best version of yourself today. And if this decision is being made for you today, don't put it on yourself. Put it on them. They did this. They did this today to 4,800 people. Don't take it personally, even though you, you are. I know you are. Everybody does. But do not take it personally. Do not attach any self-worth to a decision that is made for you, ever. Attach self-worth to the decisions that you make for yourself. That's my advice to you today. That, and I'm sorry that you were let down. I am. Capitalism isn't a fun game. Working for a publicly traded company that is beholden to shareholders for dividends is not a fun game, especially when you deliver the news. That's supposed to be a public service. You're not supposed to be beholden to people that you're paying. Big money. No whammies. You're supposed to deliver for the people, not your shareholders. And Chuck's point was correct. There isn't a single mainstream media entity in this country that doesn't take government money. As a matter of fact, Bell's decision to get rid of people, to penalize 4,800 people to work there, was a temper tantrum because he couldn't get more money out of the government. <laughs> yeah. Bell Media, not interested in human beings. Let's talk about that. Have a great day, everybody. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, to Chuck, for being here as well. Don't forget, you can get everything we do at Cryer Media. Go to Cryer.co for more information. Get Charles's podcast anywhere you get your fine podcast. His last one with Kinsella was a banger. Uh, and you won't find a greater individual on the planet. And you're not going to find better partners. Cantor, go to Cantor.com.
Automation today, Can Torque makes rugged, hardworking torque wrenches, uh, offering you all the solutions you need for any bolting solution under one roof. 20 years of experience, top of the line torque and tension tools. They make them in house for industry around the world, heavy industry around the world, too. They make torque wrenches for boring machines, for tunnels, for subways. They do heavy machinery. They do forestry. They do the steel industry. They do nuclear industry because they make the best torque wrenches in the world. And they make them for industries around the world, not just here in Canada, but they're proudly Canadian out of Edmonton, Alberta. Go to cantorque.com for more information. You can become a distributor there, and you can have a look at what makes them your one-stop destination for all your bolting needs, saving you time, effort, and hassle. Go to cantorque.com today. Also, thanks and hello to our ladies at Muse on the Mic. It's Canada's number one body house podcast, and it belongs to us here at Cryer Media. We've partnered with these ladies on their podcast, and it's awesome. They're advocators, they're sexologists, and they advocate for women in the sex industry. They also own Muse Massage Spa, and they tell lots of those stories on their Patreon podcast channel. So go there today, Muse on the Mic Patreon. You can also download their podcast wherever you get your fine podcasts and go to musemassagespa.com for more details. And of course, brought to you by the number one luxury boxer brief in Canada, Gitch, engineered for any level of performance as well as everyday life. Buy three, get one free. Use promo code Gitch3 at checkout. Gitch, you'll love them. Super soft, barely their fabric. The best boxer briefs with a pouch in the front that you will buy, and they are made for Canadians by Canadians and sold here in Canada at edsfineimports.com. Get your checkout. That'll get your promo code and a free pair of Gitch. Also, 15% off your entire purchase when you leave your email address. and It doesn't spam, but trust me, the best underwear on the planet. You'll never go back. <clears throat> Gitch. Edsfineimports.com. Gitch, then the number three. That's your promo code. Thanks, everybody, for being part of the show. Really appreciate you being here. Remember what I said? Don't give your agency to other people. Very important. It's like one of the most important things in the world. Anyway, that's it for us. Have a great day. We will be back tomorrow around 3 o'clock. Don't forget everything we do is at uh, Cryer Media. Go to Cryer.co for more details. You can get our podcast where you get your fine podcasts, including this one, YouTube, Dean Blundell Show on YouTube, Cryer Media on YouTube. If you could rate, watch, and subscribe, we'd appreciate that too. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. If you got fired today, give us a call. We'll see if we can make some room on the boat. Info at crier.co. Info at crier.co. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.